The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, Americans have this habit of turning every biblical, theological principle into an individualistic thing. And that is definitely true when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is often only talked about in individualistic terms. My giftings, my spiritual discernment, my spirituality. The reality is the Holy Spirit was poured out so that we could abide in healthy, life-giving community. We're going to talk about this aspect of the Holy Spirit on today's show. Please join me. Dr. Doug Bursch, and this is The Fairly Spiritual Show. Uh, One of my passions is to communicate a better witness when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit. I call this show The Fairly Spiritual Show because it's kind of a fun play on words. Uh, People often say things like, well, you know, I'm not too spiritual, but I'm fairly spiritual. We use it for how we even talk about spirituality in the church. Often when we talk about the working of the Holy Spirit, we talk about the working of the Holy Spirit in ways that differentiate people in unhealthy ways. For instance, we focus in on what's your spiritual gift versus my spiritual gift. Or we talk in terms of anointing. That person seems to just be a little bit more anointed. They're an amazing prayer or they're an amazing preacher or teacher. And we almost use spiritual gifts and spiritual manifestations as a way to create some sort of spiritual hierarchy. In fact, we don't almost do that. We often actually do that, where people distinguish themselves in the body of Christ based on how, quote-unquote, spiritual they are. So I like using that term, fairly spiritual, because it gets us thinking about the reality that every one of us is not just fairly spiritual, but in Christ, we all have the same portion of the Holy Spirit. Now, I do believe that because we have volition, choice, and will, we can choose to allow the Holy Spirit to move in our life or not move in our life, in that there can be varying degrees of the Spirit's expression in our faith. But I say this to the church I pastor uh, frequently, and basically say it in any context where I talk about the Holy Spirit, but there are no super spiritual Christians. When I see the term spiritual, I just put it with a capital S. Spiritual. Spiritual. The idea that the Holy Spirit is in us, and therefore we are spiritual. And when you receive Christ, you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, this other step of yielding to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, of allowing the Spirit to have part of you, you know, we can have the Spirit, but the Spirit might not necessarily have us. And to me, that's how we explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For instance, it's very similar to the giving of the law. Uh, In in the Old Testament, we see this many times, right? First, the law is given uh, to Moses. He comes down from the hill. He shares the law with uh, the Israelites. But he says that you, you must take this word and you must submit to it. 
And the law itself is each person takes that word and submits to it. It's not, well, my dad you know, values the law, but I don't value the law. It's that not only are you supposed to value the law, but your children and your children's children are supposed to value the law. And each generation is to pass it on to the next generation. And each person is to stand before God and to value his holy word. Well, that's how they viewed the law. Well, we know that uh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on Pentecost. And on Pentecost, they celebrated the giving of the law. They celebrated that reality that once they were freed from bondage in Egypt, um, Moses went up to that holy mountain, came down, gave them this way of abiding with God. And so we see in the New Testament that God pours out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, on that day where they gave the law or on that day where they celebrated the giving of the law. Well, well, what's the connection here? We don't live based on the law. We live based on the Holy Spirit. But the same principles that held true for the law hold true for receiving the Holy Spirit. Uh, Did everyone have the law? The law was given once to all of Israel, right? It was given once. Yes, that's true. Uh, Was the Holy Spirit given once to us? Yes, that's true. Does everyone have the Holy Spirit who's a Christ follower? Yes, that's true. But the law was given to people, but they had to receive it individually. You couldn't just receive it on behalf of your father or your grandfather. You had to have your own experience with receiving that word. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Although the Holy Spirit was given once, um, you know, in the sense of on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is has to be, for it to have validity in anyone's life, or for God to have to be able to move in anyone's life, We each individually must have that encounter where we receive the Holy Spirit, where we encounter it, where we go up to that holy hill and we receive the presence of God. It can't be passed on. It's not, well, I was just raised in that environment or my my parents were like that or the person next to me has enough of the Holy Spirit, but that each of us comes to this place where we have our own Pentecost, where we receive the fullness of God. Now, here's the thing. We don't have our own Pentecost for our own selfish purposes. Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, happens so that we can, one, know God's will and way, and two, so that we can fulfill the great you know, uh, great promise that God gave Abraham, which was that Abraham was going to be made into a people that would bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us access to God, access to understanding the heart of God, access to the plans of God, access to Christ Jesus, that we witness Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that witness is for the purpose of building a community that will bless the rest of the people on the face of the earth. One of the reasons we know the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is not just for individualistic purposes, or or not even for individualistic purposes, but that the Holy Spirit is about community is in how the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2. Let's read this for a second. Acts 2.1. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we see in this context that they're not individualistically in their own homes. Peter doesn't go off by himself to pray with God. But they they are in a collective place. They are together, praying together, in unity, 
They're actually praying in the sense of thanking God for the giving of the law, thanking God for how he visited Moses. And then as they are thanking God for this wonderful historical event, a new event occurs where the Holy Spirit is poured out on that community. And you see that although they are a community, the Holy Spirit is poured out individualistically on each one of them or individually on each person in the room. Tongues of fire rest on each of them. And the the picture is so clear. Just as Moses, the tent of meeting, uh, the glory of the Lord, the, 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 the column of smoke that was over the tent of meetings as they went through Uh, the wilderness, that glory experience where the Holy Spirit rested upon Moses, now the Holy Spirit rests upon every single believer, not just upon us, but in us. And for what purpose? What is the purpose? Well, let's read on here. Verse 5, now there were devout Jews of every nation under heaven staying in Jerusalem. At this sound, they gathered in a large crowd, but they were confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, and in amazement they asked, Are not all these people who are speaking Galileans? Then how does each of us hear them in his own native language? And then they list all the languages. We are Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, inhabitants of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Prigia, and Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the district of Libya near Cyrene, as well as travelers from Rome, both Jew and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. Yet we hear them speaking in our own tongue the mighty acts of God. They were all astounded and bewildered and said to one another, what does this mean? But others said, scoffing, they have had too much wine to drink. Which I love that is, it's a group where, the, where some people are looking at that group go, that looks like a bunch of people who'd be drunk in the temple courts. But the rest say, no, we hear God in our own language. Now this miracle is interesting and scholars have argued about what actually happened. And I think the argument about the preciseness of what happened is not as important than the outcome. The issue is they speak in tongues and people begin to hear the mighty works of God in their own language. Some people argue that each of the people filled with the Holy Spirit actually received a specific language. So they received a language where they could speak to the Cretans. They received a language where they could speak from the outsiders, that that literally each of them was speaking a unique language. That certainly could be the statement of the context. I'm not arguing against it. That's one way to interpret it. Another way to interpret it is that they were speaking in a in a tongue that no one understood in the sense that it was just a, a you know an angelic tongue or a tongue that just didn't make any sense to people except for this the holy spirit translated that tongue so that each person heard the mighty works of god in their own language so if we'd been there and listened we'd say i don't understand any of this but the holy spirit enlivened those words so that each person heard the mighty works of god in their own language which is true I'm okay with agreeing with each. Each could be a possibility. The most important thing here is not the tongue and that what was the tongue or was it an actual language or was it translated into a language. The actual powerful thing in this that we get from this that anyone can agree upon is they were filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that when they spoke, they were able to communicate with people from other cultures, other languages, other tribes, other nations. This is the principle of the Holy Spirit being poured out. The Holy Spirit is poured out so that they can reach every tribe and nation. That when we are led by the Holy Spirit, God gives us the ability to interact with, to meet with, to penetrate the heart of people who are radically different than us. He gives us the ability to be one in the midst of our incredible diversity. 
He gives us the ability to have true connection with every tribe, tongue, and nation through the working of the Holy Spirit. The promise is, if we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give us a way to be able to communicate the mighty works of God to any person in any culture, regardless of the differences. And let's go on with this because we see this uh, in Peter's response to what is happening. He point he even expands this concept through the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, You who are Jews, indeed all of you staying in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to my words. These people are not drunk as you supposed. For it is only nine o'clock in the morning, which I just love that. He's saying, well, they might be drunk in the evening, but they're not drunk now. I just I just think that's a, a hilarious argument. He goes on, he says, no, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. It will come to pass in the last days, God says, that I will pour out a portion of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Indeed, upon my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out a portion of my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will work wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and a cloud of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and splendid day of the Lord. And it, sh and it shall be that everyone shall be saved who calls on the name of the Lord. First, just a side note there. You know that whole thing where it talks about cloud of smoke and blood and fire and darkness? That's not about the future. That's about what happened during Christ's crucifixion, the resurrection, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Blood, the spilling of blood, fire, a cloud of smoke, um, that's happening. Tongues of fire resting on the people as they are yielding to the Holy Spirit. Uh, the sun shall be turned to darkness. That happened on the day that Jesus was crucified. The moon to blood. And many people believe, if you look at the calendar and try to figure out when Jesus was crucified, that there probably also was a blood moon on that day. So Peter is saying all these things that were prophetically talked about, they're happening now. These are the last days. So by the way, when someone says last days is a negative thing, they don't understand scripture. Last days were ushered in through Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, and ascension, and pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And the last days are foremost defined by this. It's a time when we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and can co communicate and express God's purposes on earth. That is good news. But look at what Peter says here through the authority of the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out, prophecy said this, on all flesh, uh, sons and daughters. So gender is not going to be an issue anymore here for excluding someone from knowing the fullness of God and proclaiming the fullness of God. If you're a man or a woman, you have the fullness of God in you, the Holy Spirit abides in you, and the Holy Spirit will speak through you. He says you'll be a prophet. You'll be able to speak the will of God. You'll be able to know and speak the will of God. It's interesting how scripture just eradicates that exclusion of some sort of gender hierarchy here because we have the same thing. One, if you are a follower of Christ, you're a son of God, whether you're male or female. In this sense, why are we sons of God? Because Christ Jesus is in us. When God sees us, he sees his son. And so the son is in us in the sense of that we are in the son, the son is in us. We are all sons of God. And so we have that same authority that is given to the sons of God. And we know that's confirmed because the Holy Spirit is poured out on male and female, in male and female. So not only are we sons of God, but now we have the very presence of God to lead us, to instruct us, and to instruct others through us. 
So he says, you are sons and you are your daughters shall prophesy. So that that separation is no longer there. Your old your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. This is more than just about the idea that, oh, the Holy Spirit's being poured out on everyone. This is about that all these hierarchies of power and control are removed. Before this, people would be like, well, who gets to control the room? Who gets uh, their opinion uh, followed? It's the old men. In this culture, it'd be the old rich men, the people who'd get the most authority in the room, the people who'd get to speak, the people who'd get to make the decisions. It would be the old men. But here Peter says to the Holy Spirit, these are the last days. And the fullness of the Holy Spirit is now poured out on young men and old men. So that means in a very powerful way that you must listen to the young men as much as you listen to the old men. Yes, there's wisdom in time and we're supposed to respect our elders and there is something in time that's different, but not when it comes to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That means if a young man full of the Holy Spirit speaks we listen. If a young woman full of the Holy Spirit speaks, we listen. The authority is not based on your gender. Well, if you're a man, you get to speak. If you're a woman, you don't get to speak. No, that's eradicated. The Holy Spirit is poured out on both gender. Well, is it an issue of age that we only value one generation over the other generation? No. In fact, we value the Holy Spirit in every generation. That's why if you're growing as a Christian, you don't become grumpier and more of a curmudgeon and more of, I don't listen to the younger generation. What's wrong with those people? And you just hang out with a bunch of old people and talk about your old people ways. And by the way, I'm including myself more in that category than in the young people category. No, however old you are, You listen for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. So you value spiritual words from your young men and your young women, just as you value spiritual words from your old men and your old women. And that's another thing we see here, too, that we sometimes see a younger culture who doesn't respect the Spirit of the Lord in the older culture, and the older culture that does not respect the Spirit of the Lord in the younger culture. Through Pentecost, that's eradicated. It goes on, it says, even upon your servants and your handmaids. And, And what's so radical about this? That means anybody in a position of power or control, any masters, any people who have many servants, people who serve their wishes, whose volition is basically to do what the master wants them to do, anyone in a position of power, be warned about this, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out in such a way that your servants now have the authority of God, that your servants have the voice of God, the perspective of God, and God must be valued and respected in them. Your servants and your handmaids. The people with power don't get to just talk and make the controlling decisions. Anyone full of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that's most corrupt in any church and denomination. When denominations only allow large mega churches with lots of money in the denomination to make decisions, that's basically saying, well, they have more of the Holy Spirit and more of the authority of God. But the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the pastor of the small church as much as the pastor of the large church. And the ability to lead a denomination is not dependent upon whether someone has lots of power or little power. It's about the working of the Holy Spirit. And it's true in a church context as well. We see James talks about that. You don't give preference to the wealthy and the rich over the poor. Everyone has the fullness of God. Everyone should be treated equally. So so what is this about? Well, I've often preached on this that, you know, it's about, well, the Holy Spirit's for everyone. Well, that's one thing, but it's deeper than this. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can break down every dividing wall of hostility and so that we can have meaningful connections with every person. 
we see in both of these scriptures, and, and this, we don't now have any barriers between our ability to truly connect with people with other languages, other cultures, that we can communicate between races, between tribes, between cultures. We can communicate and abide and have true community uh, between genders, male and female, between age groups. That means every person who's a Christian full of the Holy Spirit, you have this amazing capacity now to truly be able to bring the good news and to proclaim the mighty works of God to anyone. That's why we're reconcilers. That's why Christians are people who don't go off in little factional groups and hang out with their own. But we are people uniquely created to be able to abide in any room, in any conflict, in any situation, and to be able to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ means that I can connect with someone from another nation in such a powerful way that our connection through the Holy Spirit is more powerful than citizenship. We have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that we can build powerful communities that are rooted in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that we can build healthy communities that value the diversity in the room. In the sense of you know, when we see the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost, people don't need to change their languages. They don't need to change their cultures. The Arabs still get to be the Arabs. The Cretans still get to be the Cretans. But now, full of the Holy Spirit, these groups who have different languages and different cultures can truly unite through the mighty works of God and still value and respect their diversity. Men still get to be men. Women still get to be women. The young still get to be young. The old still get to be old. But now, full of the Holy Spirit, we can communicate and connect in a powerful way. This is so contrary to what happened with the Tower of Babel. In the Tower of Babel, people didn't respect and value the diversity. They said, we're going to define ourselves by making one big tower and one big city, and we're going to be just like God, and we're going to stand against God. We don't want to be scattered into these individual groups. We just want to be one powerful group that can stand against God. And God comes in and he frustrates their languages and he frustrates their cultures and scatters them throughout the world so that we can't work together for evil purposes. Now though, because the righteousness of God has been established on earth through the work of the cross, God says, I want you to work together. I'm going to give you my spirit. When you were rebellious, when you were fighting against me, when you were doing things for your own purposes. I didn't want that. I knew you were harmful to, to each other and harmful to me, so I frustrated your languages and kept you from working together. But now I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you can meaningfully work together as Spirit-led people. As Spirit-led people, we are open to a larger expression than our group. A sign that you're spirit-led is you know lots of white people, black people, brown people, different colors, different ethnicities, different races, different age groups, because you have the Holy Spirit to help you communicate with all these different groups, and you value the Holy Spirit in each of these groups. A sign that we're not spirit-led is we have to hang out with a very narrowly focused group that just believes the same things politically, uh, acts the same way, looks the same way, 
thinks the same way. God has given us the ability to yield to his Holy Spirit in such a way that we can sense his presence, know our sonship, and then also be able to connect with people from very different cultures and perspectives in meaningful, powerful ways. Have you yielded to that fullness of the Holy Spirit? Or is it just about spiritual gifts and feeling like you got more gifts than other people or you're just a little more spiritual than other people? The Holy Spirit has been poured out. The Holy Spirit has been poured out so that we can be a people. We can be a a diverse, healthy people that look a lot like God's presence on earth. That's what we've been called to do. And we can't do it in our own flesh. We must do it as vessels yielding to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Please join me in this crusade to be people who emanate the fullness of the Spirit and welcome the fullness of the body of Christ. Hey, I thank you for listening. I'd love for you to support this radio show. Go to fairlyspiritual.org to support it. Fairlyspiritual.org. You can also find a book where I've written about community. Some of the things I'm talking about on this show are in the book. It's called The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can pick that up at Amazon or find it through my website at fairlyspiritual.org. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I truly love that you spend this time with me. I pray that you grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit as I grow as well. There's no super spiritual people. It's just us. See you next time. The preceding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.